Good evening. Great to be with you. I have heard about the fire pit three times now. So each time, my um, excitement levels are getting higher and higher. So in, in my mind, it, the fire pit is also getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And if it's not like a raging inferno, I'm going to have words with someone. Um, <laughs> so we're going to look at a, um, a story from the Bible in a moment um, from a book called Luke. Uh, before we do that, um, I want to ask you if you ever feel lost. Let's start geographically. Um, I wonder if you have ever got yourself lost. And I wonder by wave of hands, uh, which people here are the follow your sat-nav slash Google Maps when you're going somewhere religiously? Yeah, okay. By alternative wave of hands, those people who either ditch the Google Maps or perhaps like put it on just to like taunt it as you go a different way. Anyone in that camp? Yeah, okay, a few with me. <laughs> I am um, definitely more in the latter camp. I find the idea of getting lost um, quite exhilarating, quite fun. Um, in fact, one of my favorite games when I go um, traveling is to find the local public transport and make my way out into the outskirts of whatever city I'm in, and then see if I can find my way back again. That's, um, that's quite amusing. Um, Istanbul particularly has a great metro system. I would recommend it if you want to explore that part of the world. Um, but the few times I have got genuinely lost is quite chillingly scary. It isn't fun being lost. But being lost isn't just geographically. We heard it in some of the testimonies um, just a few moments ago. We can feel kind of lost in life. I wonder if you ever feel a little bit lost. Whether you can feel a little bit like you don't know where your place is in society. You don't know where you fit. Well, we come to a story in a, in a minute which has a guy there who, who seems like he's got it all together. But actually, in so many ways, he is lost. In so many ways, he needs to be found. And Jesus talks about coming and seeking and saving the lost. And we're going to find out how that applies to this guy, but also how it can apply to us. So we're going to um, read from Luke chapter 19. It'll come up on the screen behind you, so you can follow along there. Talking about Jesus. He entered Jericho and was passing through. And there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not, because he was small of stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He's gone to be in the, the guest of a, of a man who's a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord. The half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. He was passing through this place um, called Jericho, and he had a bit of a, a bunch of people around him. He had quite a crowd. He would have had his disciples, his motley crew of close friends who followed him from place to place to place, and also then a, a buzz of people who have come out of Jericho wanting to see what's going on. Perhaps they'd heard rumors about this guy who is a spiritual teacher, but he, he speaks as if God is real, and not just real, and, but he's close, and you can have a relationship with him. And he speaks to him as if he's his father. 
Or maybe they um, were, were interested by the fact that he keeps performing miracles. Perhaps there were people in the crowd who needed to be healed or those who were just coming to see if he would do any miracles in front of them. But for whatever reason, there was a, a whole bunch of people wanting to, to see Jesus, wanting a glimpse. And amongst them, we hear that there's a guy called Zacchaeus. Now, Zacchaeus, you um, could think, is living his life. He is living the dream. He is top of his profession. He is a chief tax collector. He's stinking rich. We find out later that he's not actually very popular, but he would have had enough kind of tax collector friends to have, um, you know, got on with life quite happily. He's at the top of his game. But something has kind of unsettled him. Something has made him as well, be really interested in who this Jesus is, and he wants to come and have a little bit of a look. But he can't see. He's a bit shorter than everyone else, and he can't get through the crowd. What, rather than just, you know, wandering off and forgetting about it, he's, he's determined now that he wants to see Jesus. And he can see where the, the crowd's going. They're coming down the road, and, and off down in the distance, there's a, there's a sycamore tree. So he runs ahead, and he climbs up that sycamore tree. And you might think, that's a pretty sensible thing to do. You're quite short. Get up there. You can see where you're going. Front row seat. Jobs are good. Un. But that wasn't really the thing that your average Middle Eastern man would do. And for Zacchaeus, tree climbing was not his thing. Now, um, I've just taken uh, 60 uh, nine-year-olds away on a camp. Um, I am a teacher, not just a child snatcher of, of sorts. Um, and <laughs> but, believe me, climbing trees, jumping off things, jumping in things, jumping through things, doing anything that involves any kind of risk element um, is very much the thing that nine-year-olds want to do. But not the case for this man. This would have been a really, really unseemly thing for him to have done kind of embarrassing. It kind of shows that he was desperate to get a glimpse of Jesus. But as this crowd just kind of throngs its way in, and suddenly they're kind of all surrounding the tree underneath him, he's kind of then part of the crowd again. But this time he's got a front row seat, and he can see what's going on. Part of the crowd. You could say lost in the crowd. Not expecting to be seen. And yet, as this kind of wide-angle shot pans across the crowd, Jesus sometimes suddenly hits the zoom-in button as he looks up to Zacchaeus, calls him by name, and says, come down from that tree. I'm coming to yours for dinner. See, sometimes we can feel lost in the crowd. But with Jesus, Zacchaeus discovered that the out-of-sight are seen. I don't know about for, for you whether you can feel lost in the crowd. Just one face amongst thousands on campus, just behind closed doors, no one really knowing what you're up to or what you're doing, perhaps lost in the cog of being part of your office or workplace, no one really paying you any attention, lost in the crowd. But for Jesus, you are never just a face in the crowd. With Jesus, the out of sight are seen. He knows you. He knows you by name. He doesn't just know you by name, but he knows every hair on your head. He doesn't just know every hair on your head. He knows every thought of your heart. He knows your greatest fears. He knows your, your deepest desires. He knows your, your, your biggest longings, and he cares. You might be sitting here today, kind of a little bit like Zacchaeus, who wasn't really the tree-climbing type. You might not be the church-going type. And somehow, maybe through coercion or persuasion, some friend has dragged you here this evening to watch them get baptized or just to come along and see. Maybe you're a little bit interested. What is this strange church meeting in a non-church building and all these happy, clappy songs, maybe? You think, 
Let's just go and have a look. Maybe like Zacchaeus. Let's just have a glimpse, see what's happening. And maybe actually being a part of a crowd is quite reassuring. It's, it's safe. No one really knows what's going on with me. I can just relax. And you can relax if that's you. But Jesus sees you. He knows. You're never out of sight with him. With Jesus, the out of sight are seen. And he cares about you. And for you, whether this is the first time, never thought about Jesus before, or whether this is the thousandth time that you've been here, you can meet with him again today. Just as Zacchaeus did, you can meet the living God. So, Jesus stops under this tree. All his followers are around him, and he says, Zacchaeus, come down. I'm coming to your house for dinner. A little bit rude, do you not think? And it's invite yourself to dinner. Chris and B, I'm coming for after dinner drinks. What's on offer? <laughs> rum, okay, I like rum. Rum and Coke? Okay, okay, sure. Um, I, I can't possibly have that without like nibbles and a few like little, you know, sweet snacks, savory snacks, all this sort of thing. So just be thinking about that while I complete the message. That's okay. Um, it's, it's not really the done thing, is it? You don't just invite yourself to someone's house, especially if you've not met them before. But I oh, thankfully I haven't met these guys, so they're going to be fine with it, don't worry. Not really the done thing. But yet in this culture, it was actually more familiar. It was okay to, to go to someone's house for dinner, perhaps uninvited. It was a way of honoring them. Jesus made like a really public declaration of his honor and love for, for Zacchaeus. But more than that, it's quite significant that he's going to eat with them. See, it's not just about having dinner. In this culture, to eat with someone was to really enter into a firm fr friendship with them, a kind of covenant relationship. I got a little glimpse of this dynamic when I lived in Central Asia for a few years, and they had parties for all sorts, births, deaths, marriages, everything in between, and so I was always going off to parties, and the, the women would always be asking around before they would go, wanting to know who else was going to be there, because it was really important to know who was going to be sat around that tablecloth, because if you sat down with someone who was of a, a poor reputation, then you had entered into their reputation. It would, it would sully you by, by default. And so it was really important that they knew who they were going to be eating with because it was symbolic and it really meant something. In the same way, Jesus inviting himself to this guy's house to eat with him, it really meant something. I mean, no wonder the, the rest of the crowd are, are so annoyed, grumbling out loud, what on earth is he doing going to this guy's house? This guy's a sinner. Which, again, seems a bit rude. But, but this Zacchaeus really was, to them, the scum of the earth. See, we, we hear that he's a chief tax collector. Yeah, he's, he's done well in his career. He's done well in his career that is built on consorting with the, the enemy occupiers, Rome, doing their dirty work for them, collecting taxes on their behalf. But not only that, he has lined his pockets, got himself rich at the expense of all those people in the crowd, taking more than he deserved. They knew full well that he was not a person who was worthy to be honoured. The fact that he had to run ahead and climb up a tree is probably uh, an indication of just how despised and rejected and isolated he really was. Because if he'd been a decent kind of guy, people maybe would have let him through. He's a bit short, he can come through, there you go, no problem. Jostling through. 
I imagine that crowd formed a wall of impenetrable backs as they looked over their shoulders and thought, not a chance, mate, there's no way you're getting through. And so he had to run ahead, isolated from his community. See, Zacchaeus, although he was rich, was a despised, rejected, and socially isolated man. He didn't deserve to have Jesus come to his house. He didn't deserve to have the living God sit down and eat with him, honor him, love him. But then kind of awkwardly, neither do I. If you pressed print screen on my heart, you would not like what you saw. Maybe some of our actions aren't so messed up and as obviously wrong as, as Zacchaeus's are. But none of us deserve to be welcomed by the living God. None of us deserve a relationship with him. We're far too messed up. We're all isolated from him. We're all separate from him. And yet Zacchaeus discovers that with Jesus, the isolated are included. He calls him down from the tree. I'm going to come to your house. I'm going to eat with you. How is that even possible? How is that even fair? Do you not wonder? Well, it's fair. It's possible. It's right, and it's just because Jesus was the only one who could have called him down. He is the only one who can call us out of our isolation, down from our tree, as it were, of isolation, because he's the only one who is going to the tree, the cross, the one place where Jesus alone paid the debt for all of our sin, for all of our mess, for all of our thoughts and actions that are offensive to God. He paid for it all, offering total forgiveness to an absolute scumbag and saying, you can come and have a relationship with me, which is good news for me, because I can come and have a relationship with him, and so can you. You might think, no, actually, I'm not really like Zacchaeus. I'm not really on the edge of society. I'm not really in that situation. I'm actually doing all right. You know, I found my tribe. I found my place. Yeah, I'm not like the most popular person in the world. I might not be like the top of my game, but I'm happy. I'm doing all right. But it, even when things are going so well, it can only take a moment for us to suddenly feel totally isolated. Stats tell us that nine million, almost a fifth of the population, feel always or often alone, lonely and isolated. Perhaps even if that's not you, all it can take is that phone call from a doctor, that mountain that you need to face, that exam that takes you to the edge of yourself, where you suddenly feel like you're the only person facing this, that no one else really understands what you're going through feel isolated. It might be that on the outside you have the perfect job, the perfect relationship, and yet behind closed doors you feel so desperately alone, isolated, disconnected from people. But Jesus understands that. He doesn't just understand it, he cares. And he doesn't just care, he's lived it. See, he lived on this earth as one of us, and he knows what it is to be socially rejected and despised. That guy from Nazareth, he's going to come to nothing. That illegitimate son of Mary, what's he going to do? 
He knows what it is to be rejected by his people, but also just to be let down by his friends. His moment of greatest need, where people desert him. Just stay with me one hour and pray with me. As he cries tears of utter pain, and his friends are asleep. We know that feeling sometimes, don't we? So many Facebook friends, yet no one's there when you need them. Where are the texts and calls when you most need it? Jesus understands that. He's lived that life. But he's also paid so that you don't have to be isolated. He's paid on the cross so that you can come down. And he can not only say, as he often does in his stories, he doesn't just say, follow me. I love the fact that Jesus says to Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house for dinner. I'm coming into your home. I'm coming into your workplace. I'm coming into your lecture theatre. I'm coming into your exam. I'm coming into your dorm room. I'm coming into wherever you are, into your life. And I'm going to be with you. I want to be with you. That is the good news. That is the good news that these guys have shared with us this morning, this evening. They're totally changed their lives because they know the living God. So with Jesus, the outsider are seen and the isolated are included. But there is Zacchaeus. He's whizzed down that tree. He's full of joy. He's full of excitement. Jesus coming to his, he can't quite get his head around it, wouldn't quite understand how this is possible, but he's not going to let this opportunity go by. Yes, Jesus is coming to his house. And he receives him with great joy. But beyond that, he then goes and makes this declaration, I give half of my goods to the poor. And if anyone has been defrauded by me, I will repay it fourfold. This seems just over the top. I mean, he would have known, and everyone in the crowd would have known, that the, the, the Old Testament specified that if you had defrauded someone or accidentally taken something that was not yours, you were to pay it back in full, plus a fifth. But he's gone way overboard, totally overcompensating, totally released releasing his riches. What is going on there? What on earth is that about? Well, I wonder, is it just that he was really a a generous guy, just kind of waiting to get out? He just needed the right kind of moment and the right kind of person to kind of draw it out of him, to reach his potential as a really generous person. Everyone else, they just got distracted by his externals, but Jesus knew that he was a generous person deep down inside. He was a good guy waiting to come out. Um, I don't know whether you're a fan of Britain's Got Talent or The Voice or, or things like that, but the classic Susan Boyle-esque kind of story would be an example of this. No one expected anything from her. She didn't look like a star. She didn't walk like a star. No one really expected anything much until she sang. And suddenly, a star is born. Suddenly, Everyone sees that these externals were hiding this immense talent. Maybe it was like that. I wonder whether you kind of feel some of that tension sometimes, that tension that I'm made for more than this. Surely I am more than this. I'm made to be more than this. We can kind of feel that tension. And when we we watch shows like that, it kind of strikes a, a note of truth in our heart of actually, maybe I'm meant to be more. Maybe I can do more. Maybe I can be more. But the problem is that Zacchaeus wasn't just a generous guy waiting to to get out. 
He had spent his whole life amassing this great mountain of wealth. He had quieted all the guilt in his heart. He had quieted all the, 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 the rebukes and the, and the sneers of the crowd and the people around him and of his family. He was going to get his wealth whether he liked it or not. Whatever. He didn't care about anyone else. He was going to hold on to it. He was going to grip it tight. And yet in a moment when Jesus walks into his life, that grip is released. And he takes hold of something that is so much greater. He sees Jesus and a relationship with him as worth so much more. And suddenly, the miserly man is generous beyond measure because he'd seen Jesus. And how is that even possible? See, Zacchaeus was dead and buried under his greed. The Bible talks about as being spiritually dead. It's not a very attractive way of describing um, ourselves, but that is what it talks about. Spiritually dead, totally unable to free himself from the greed that he was beset with. And if we're honest, we can relate to different issues ourselves. Yeah, we can, we can improve our lives in different small ways, but actually at the core of it, can we really change our identity, who we are, the things that, that, that trap us, the things that bury us? We're spiritually dead, and yet in a moment when Jesus meets him, and when he responds to Jesus' invitation, he goes from being buried to being reborn. Because just as these guys have shown in their baptism, the buried, when they meet Jesus, are reborn. And they become, yes, still themselves, but they become the them that they were made to be, the person that they were created to be. See, that note of truth that kind of rings in your heart when you see one of those rags-to-riches kind of um, talent stories it's because there is a note of truth about it. Because you were made for something more. You were made to be something more, someone more. But it's not a few snazzy cameras and a, and a few lights and a bit of vocal coaching or a bit of life coaching that's going to get you there. You need the power of God to come and bring you from death into life and release you to be the one that you were made to be. Just as we've celebrated today. And Jesus is the one who can do that. Because Jesus is the one who died and who was raised to life. And he is here in power today. He has power for you. Perhaps you've never met him before. You can know the power of being raised from death to life. From being totally isolated to being included. To know the living God for the first time. Perhaps you've been walking with him for many, many years. But you know that there are things that you're struggling with. Things that are not of your new life, but of your old life. Things that you feel kind of buried under. Well, his resurrection power is for us every single day. And he is here in power to bring you from death to life. To walk in newness of life. Maybe you feel buried under a short temper when you long to be kind. You're buried like Zacchaeus under greed when you long to be generous. Buried under fears and anxieties when you long to walk confidently. Buried under the worries about what other people think when you long to walk free. To follow God, to, to live for him. Well, he's got power for you today. Just as Zacchaeus did, if you accept his invitation, then he will come to you. He sees you. He'll bring you out of your isolation and he'll rebirth 
the person in you that you were made to be. It's been so wonderful hearing the stories earlier. Did you enjoy them? The amazing thing is, is if you know these guys already, you'll know and you'll recognize them. They're kind of the same person and they're kind of not. The things you love about them are still there, but they have been born again. And they now have this new life that they can walk with him in. In a minute, we're going to sing a song and we're going to have a moment to, to just quiet our hearts before God. And I want to ask you, do you feel out of sight, lost in the crowd? When Jesus sees you, with him the out of sight are seen. Do you feel isolated, a lost cause? Or with Jesus, the isolated are included? Not just in a relationship with him, but in his family, just as we gathered here this evening to worship him. You have a place here. You are so welcome. And do you feel buried? So out of sight that you're buried under the struggles and the things that beset you? Well, with Jesus, the buried are reborn. And he has power for you this evening. Why don't you stand? Jesus' invitation is to come down Come down from your tree of isolation and, and he will come to you. He will come and meet with you. And that means right where you are, where you're stood. So as we, as we sing, as we look to him, even if this seems a bit weird and un- unfamiliar to you, why don't you just in your heart tell him that you'd like to meet him, that you welcome him coming to you.